Hello and welcome back to Podcasting is Praxis. It's a different kind of episode because David has the logi, so he cannot be with us. But I'm Rob and my pronouns are he and him. I'm Alistair and my pronouns are he and him. I'm James and my pronouns are they and them. And strangely in the middle of a list. I'm not sure how I feel about this. And I'm Jamie, my pronouns are he and him. And we're joined today by the guy that does the music for Peace at Home. (laughs) (laughs) The man himself, here at last. The star of every episode until this one. <laughs> Tonight's episode is about how, how terrible like Sinan's memory is. Take it away, Jordan. <laughs> and my pronouns are he and him. <laughs> yeah, welcome to our first live studio recording. We're very excited to do this musical episode with you today. Oh, don't encourage him. He does have the guitar right there. <laughs> yeah, we, have, we, are, we have started off very disjointed today because David's not in the Discord call. We're all out of order because Rob yeah. has introduced us all. So, uh, yeah, I'm already disoriented and I'm sure that's only going to improve over the course of this. Uh... Yeah, so essentially, <gasps> mainly we're going to be talking about uh, an excellent article that Jamie and I read uh, last week. But I was going to launch straight into it. But then I saw this amazing piece literally pop up like t- 10 minutes before we, we started. I can't not talking about it. And I'm just going to start reading from The Guardian. Keir Starmer has urged his shadow cabinet to stop briefing the press that he is boring, warning them what's boring is being in opposition. The worst thing that's ever been briefed about the leader of opposition in recent memory. Uh, To be fair, what's boring is being in opposition is the most boring fucking thing he could possibly have said. Several of those around the table then echoed their leader's call for unity and discretion in a lengthy exchange described by one uh, shadow front bencher as, ironically, very boring. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta hand it to him. Yeah, I mean, mean, same, like... Don't don't call me boring. What's boring is being in opposition. Is like the the fucking opposite of those like cool youth pastors. Do you know what I mean? You know who yeah. else was radical? Was, was our <laughs> Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Do you know who else was boring? The Labour Shadow Cabinet. <laughs> Keir Starmer turning his chair around, putting on a baseball cap. <laughs> that man, like I think, if you tried to put a baseball cap on his head, it would spontaneously combust. Genuinely, I mean, no, the hair would go straight through. Yeah, actually. Real. Sh- Slow down, James. Would the hat combust or would his head? I I need to know. The hat, sadly, Jordan. But actually, I'm with Alistair on this. You'd you'd put it on his head and his hair would clip straight through because the collision physics on his hair aren't done properly. (laughs) So what we're saying is essentially that Keir Starmer is the thing. Now what all I really want him to do is like next week for PMQs is just like come in and like have a skateboard over his shoulder. Like that that would... (laughs) It's actually pretty fucking funny though because I remember... um... I think it was sometime this time last year or thereabouts, uh, some like Tory like junior minister or whatever saying that Keir Starmer was making being in government very boring because they don't oppose anything. It's like yeah. give us something to do, man. <laughs> also, sorry, I've just got it in my head now. Keir Starmer trying to deliver his speech for you know um, opposition day when he's questioning the prime minister while balanced precariously on a skateboard because he's never stood on one before in his life. Ah, oh, that image gives me energy. So when you said about his hair clipping through the hat, it just made me think of him like walking into Parliament, immediately T-posing, falling through the floor and clipping into the Thames. <laughs> and, and strangely, strangely, that puts him up five points. <laughs> In a bid to shake off allegations of being boring, he, uh, the leader of the opposition challenges the Prime Minister to a skateboard competition. <laughs> In an effort to shake off allegations of being boring, Keir Starmer hires Todd Howard to do his personal physics. Like, yes. <laughs> I'd love to see it. 
Todd Howard gives Todd Howard gives uh, Keir Starmer a button, an awesome button to just hit, so that everyone knows that he's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel Reeves going on like Question Time or something and talking about doing the Bart Man, like it, it, it's at that level. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a good week for him though, because he's twenty two points ahead of uh, Boris Johnson. Ah, uh, you'd think you'd think so. An opinion poll for the Observer on Sunday found that voters believe Boris Johnson still makes a better PM than Starmer by twenty-eight to twenty-six percent. Although I must stress, and this is what the government's leaving out, he, they are both led by thirty-five percent saying neither, which is just absolutely fantastic. <laughs> no, but there was a guy. There was a guy on Twitter who like fucking bolstered that Starmer was twenty-two points ahead of Johnson. And when people like figured out what the fuck he was talking about, it was there was a poll where their where their approval rating, uh, like Johnson was on t- minus twenty eight and Starmer was only on minus six, so he was twenty two points ahead. <laughs> it's just it's the it's the slow clap of a year as far as I'm concerned for that one because the contortions you have to put yourself through just to try and justify a meme that was made up to make fun of you is yeah, yeah. chef's kiss, love it. <laughs> But it's like starting at the beginning of a race and then you take a step back and your opponent like takes 14 backflips behind you further. It's like, I'm winning this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, anyway, uh, should we stop talking about this boring cunt and get on with the actual... Okay, I'll, I'll read one more, uh, one more short paragraph and then we'll move off this. Um, All right. A word cloud produced this week by the polling group JL Partners based on responses from 1,000 voters showed that boring was the adjective most frequently used on Starmer. <laughs> Other prominent descriptions included bland and weak, but also honest. <laughs> what? Uh, that, that was great. The, the, some of the words in there is like uh, dick, twat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's another one in there that I can't remember, which, uh, which I enjoyed. But I mean, I will say it is fascinating because... <laughs> because clearly somebody's turned on the fucking taps. Because like... The Guardian's been at it for a week now. The New Statesman put out something. There's a bunch of columnists all of a sudden discovering that Starmer is boring and bad. Wow, and they've only just figured this out. And no one was wrong about this until a week ago. Well, because no until a week ago, no one had stood him next to Wes Streeton and just been blinded by the difference in charisma between the two. <laughs> <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I think might actually be going on here? Um, I think they're getting ready to dislodge Keir Starmer because they don't want to dislodge Boris and leave Starmer in. They'd rather have two separate, like, fresh faces, essentially. So, uh, uh, two <clears> things <throat> I want to bring up. I've actually been in person to hear uh, Wes Streetin speak, which is fantastic. Fant- oh, no. It was unbelievably boring. What does a sentient briefcase sound like? <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing I've forgotten. What would we... I can't... It's so if boring. you can't even remember it now, <laughs> no, then it speaks that was, volumes. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was about Keir Starmer, which does is so forgettable. But it was about how the press have just noticed that he's boring. They still haven't noticed that he's not honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's because the bit that's the bit they agree with. They just they agree with him lying to uh, like the labor the labor membership in twenty nineteen or twenty twenty rather because it meant that. Um, you know, like uh, any kind, anyone to the left of centre didn't win. So yeah, it meant the Pope didn't get in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's been having a great one as well, isn't he? Not the Pope, the Pope hater. Well, the, <laughs> <laughs> the anti-Pope. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Anti-Pope Mason. Mm. <laughs> uh, all right, so having briefly done that, I really want to talk about Jamie and I read the same article because it's fucking amazing. And I, I've i trimmed it down quite substantially, but we'll take a little bit of time getting through it. So I just want to get into it. Um, this is written written by Patrick Radden Keefe and published in The New Yorker originally under the title of King Josh. And it's just too good not to read. So I'm just going to get straight into it. King Josh. Inside a North Virginia office building on the ninth floor through another door that requires badge access is a CIA office with the ostentatiously bland name the Operations Support Branch. It's the agency's secret hacker unit in which cadres of elite engineers create <laughs> cyber weapons as part of its cyber intelligence division. I, I do like how with a name like that it is either the most evil like concoction ever devised by the human mind or like you know, Keir Starmer's uh, fucking IT department, you know? I've got to confess, I, I haven't read this, but I have heard about this whole thing, and it is superb. I I read a huge chunk of it, I'm going to be honest, until I realised, oh shit, we're meant to be doing this for a read? Right, I'll stop reading then. It is it <laughs> I'm is the only wild. one going in blind, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to do the reactions of five people, so I hope you're, hope you're ready. <laughs> I can just about do one. How's your Jamie impression, Alistair? <laughs> I just, I just try and do an impression of David. <laughs> oh come on! You've seen that clip. You've seen that clip from Castle enough times to be able to do the accent by now, haven't you? <laughs> I've got to talk about dunching and gadgets, and then uh, yeah. going down the tune, and that's it. I'll just ask you know what I mean. Have you got Hurdy Gurdy there to do like the the you know, music in the background as he's? OSB is a branch focused on physical access stuff, i.e. you have to get a USB stick into a guy's computer so that the CIA can download the stuff, listen, etc., etc. Usually that <laughs> has to be done by hand because of reasons. According that, to That's not fucking true. The best way to get a, uh, a USB stick into some fucking idiot's computer is to leave it in the parking lot outside their building. <laughs> I mean, that is part of what they do. Um <laughs> For for my sins, I actually have a, a little bit of a background in physical penetration testing. I thought you were going to say and... I'm working for the CIA, and I thought it was going to go completely different. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise, motherfucker! I'm one up. I'm one upping Paul Mason. <laughs> I was going to say James pulls off his face mask, and it is Paul Mason underneath there. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, what they said did sound incredibly horny, anyway. <laughs> okay, physical penetration testing yes yeah. <laughs> according to the man who supervised the, this division Sean the unit could be a high stress environment because it was supporting life or death operations but while these jobs were cutting ad, edge and at least vicariously dangerous the OSB was in many other aspects just like any other office there was a bullpen of cubicle workstations a dozen or so people clocking out in clocking in and out every day we were kind of known as a social branch, said another employee. Because of the national security concerns, they couldn't take their work home or talk to anyone on the outside because of what they did. It was a classified sanctum, a locked vault, like the crew of a submarine. They forged strong bonds and sometimes strong A locked submarine where you go home at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> there was banter, plenty of it, much of it jocular and some of it juvenile. The, coast, the coders were mainly young men and came up with nicknames for one another. One unit member who brought, bought braces as an adult became known as Train Tracks. When another brought in food to the office and didn't share, some of the some of his colleagues started calling him Dick Move. Wow, these are these are some exemplary nicknames. I wonder what ones were too awful to print. 
<laughs> the group's ultimate manager was a more se senior official named Karen, who acknowledged that the members could be boisterous, adding, folks could get a little loud, a little bit of back and forth. Some of them brought Nerf guns to work, uh, big colorful machine guns, and would occasionally sh shoot darts at each other from their desks. Sometimes people got away and work was paused for some sustained bombardment. Can I just point out that I really love that the fucking dipshit manager put in charge of herding this lot of man-children is literally called Karen. Yeah. <laughs> and that later, when the complaints come up, it has to go through an exasperated Karen. Just, I love that. I love that about life. It's, it's You couldn't write this script. The only, the, only, the only force that could tame the absolute, like, chaotic energy of the fucking group of 4chan dudes is probably a woman in, like, her middle age, like, with an authoritarian streak. <laughs> yeah. I've been wondering for a while, who's the kind of person that would pay for that, like, $8,000 or whatever it was, Star Wars experience? It's like <laughs> two nights and a day and a half. It's these cunts. Yes. <laughs> Maybe. One of the Nerf gunfighters was Joshua Schultz, his real name. A skinny Texan in his 20s, he had a goatee and a shaved head. In what may have been a preemptive gambit, Shelter gave himself the nickname Badass, going so far as to make it... <laughs> Fucking... Uh, how, how does someone not... How does someone not realise how awful it is to try and force your own nickname that you've given yourself onto other people? You've got to remember... You gotta remember they are pre-selected here, like to end up being a computer programmer whiskey. You, mu you must be viruses. this cringe to work here. <laughs> <laughs> like you do. You, they, it's for the CIA. They need the most oblivious people possible in order to be able to get them into the whole venture, right? Going so, so far as to make a fake nameplate and then stick it on his cubicle. <laughs> <laughs> Just walking in on the first day, I say, hi, my name's Jordan, but you can call me Mr. Regular Size Dick. <laughs> <laughs> but others in the office called him Voldemort, a reference to the hairless villain in the Harry Potter books. Schulte and his colleagues worked on sophisticated malware with codenames such as Angerquake and Brutal Kangaroo. The hackers could choose their own names that reflected their personal enthusiasms. Several programs were named for brands of whiskey. There was Wild Turkey, Artbag, and Lafroig. One was called McNugget. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the duality of man. <laughs> that, that is like the singularly most relatable fact about this whole endeavor, is the fact that rather than go for the usual CIA kind of code name of, you know, Operation Spanner Call and things like that. They've just gone for, yeah, it's McNugget. McNugget is going to take down all the Iranian nuclear, uh, what you call it, centrifuges. Like, love it. It's fantastic. It's Operation Fleshlight. <laughs> <laughs> Exasperated Karen looks up on her desk. No, you can't call it Fleshlight. Exasperated Karen would be a good operation name on March 7, 2017, the website WikiLeaks launched a series of disclosures that were catastrophic uh, for the CIA. It leaked out the CIA's hacking toolbox, the custom-made techniques that had used to compromise Wi-Fi networks, Skype, and, and antivirus software. It exposed Brutal Kangaroo and Angerquake. It even exposed McNugget. Then no, not McNugget! <laughs> <laughs> My boy! <laughs> My beautiful golden boy. <laughs> Look how they massacred my boy. <laughs> so essentially, there's a bunch of paragraphs about how the CIA goes like mad uh, trying to find out who to leak it, uh, who leaked it. 
This new breach was perceived as such an egregious affront to US national security that the administration was determined to get to the bottom of it. The FBI began an investigation and agents yeah, worked around the clock. The, one, one thing you've skipped there is that um, they initially worried they weren't going to be allowed to do an investigation because Donald Trump had, was on like public record as saying that he loved WikiLeaks. Yeah. <laughs> after they after they like leaked fucking Hillary Clinton's emails. <laughs> I mean the real tragedy was that McNugget was just one week away from retirement. <laughs> <laughs> Hand in your box and your straw. <laughs> <laughs> An atmosphere of paranoia enshrouded the inquiry. One FBI agent described how a CIA officer who was approached for an interview reacted with reflective suspicion, pointing out that anyone can say they're an FBI agent. <laughs> As the FBI interviewed members of the team, one suspect came into focus, Joshua Schultz, Voldemort. He'd left the agency in 2016 and was said to have been disgruntled, but, uh, but he'd now worked at, Bloom, uh, at Bloomberg. So there's some bio uh, stuff. He's essentially grows up middle class as a big computer dog. On a blog that he maintained in college, he espoused libertarian views. He was a devotee of Ayn Rand and came to believe that, as he put it, there is nothing evil about rational selfishness. Reducing the age of consent. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, actually got, he actually got the name Voldemort because he was really obsessed with hunting this one boy. <laughs> <laughs> the one that got away. <laughs> He also had a certain intellectual arrogance. Most Americans, most people in general, are idiots, he wrote in 2018. Said a friend, he was always a huge Ron Paul guy. Uh, however, Schulter proved to be a capable programmer and in 2015 was granted special distinction when he was at made systems administrator for the CIA's developer network, or DevLAN. Now he could control which employees had access to the network that held the source code for a lot of the projects. Being a sysadmin was regarded, said another colleague, a privileged position. He also made friends with a colleague called Michael. One day at work, he shot a rubber band at Michael and Michael returned fire. This went back and forth until late at night, Michael recalled. He trashed my desk, I trashed his desk. The conflict escalated until both men were throwing punches. <laughs> On the top of the building, one hanging over the side. <laughs> Volcano erupting in the background, absolutely. Yeah. I just love the idea of a libertarian going and joining is it the FBI. Yeah. <laughs> no, the CIA. <laughs> Even, <laughs> yeah, it's like the uh, anarchist tank divisions, right? <laughs> but yeah, he, um, th there was there was a piece there was a piece in it about how he um, he, he used to complain about Big Brother and how like, the, <laughs> yeah. like government government overreach spying on everyone, and then he just fucks off to the CIA to write spyware. <laughs> it's bad when it's spying on me it's good when it's spying on other people and they're paying me for it seems like a real principled dude <laughs> <laughs> well he's got that one principle <laughs> said his colleague Sean Schulter could get a little off the hinge the man known as Badass and Voldemort oh, fuck's sake no he wasn't he called himself <laughs> Badass <laughs> accrued yet another office nickname the nuclear option Schulte had been on the job for about three years when a new programmer named Amel joined the uh, the OSB. He sat near Schulte and they were partnered on a project called Drifting Deadline. Uh, they did not get along. 
Schulte liked to shoot Amel with his nerf gun. As Amel grew more accustomed to the Bureau's raucous culture, he started fighting back. He would collect Schulte's nerf, dart, nerf darts and stash them behind his desk. He began trolling others in the office, maligning their skills as coders and devising his own cruel nicknames. He referred to Schulte as the bald asshole. Amel was heavy and Schulte reciprocated by making fun of his weight. Their bickering intensified. This is this is some in, this is an incredible background on like boring like office spats. <laughs> uh, the in office beef. I'm skipping a couple paragraphs. The in office beef between them essentially escalates to the point that they both start complaining to the HR division. According to Schulter, Emil had told him, I wish you were dead. I want to piss on your grave. And I wish you die in a fiery car crash. Such rhetoric, Schulter noted, does little to foster collaboration. And essentially... <laughs> <laughs> essentially, Schulter keeps whining until he gets the head of the entire CIA's HR de- department involved, who essentially sits them both down and tells them to behave like adults. And he's, he's, unable, he's unable to do that. Oh. He's very much unable to do that. I just love the the huge big brain insights of like saying I wish you would die and I'll piss on your grave. Doesn't foster collaboration. And in a fantastic bonus move, uh, the HR department also decides to physically separate Emil and Schulter by moving Schulter to a different desk with a different view. And that, as we'll find out, was a very bad idea. Um <laughs> Was it was there a great uh, like line of sight into the uh, like nearby school or something? <laughs> <laughs> Schulte was furious to learn that he had to switch desks. He said that he would relocate only if his managers issued the directive in writing. So they did. <laughs> even wow. Then, even then, he refused to fully move. He didn't like the new location. It had no window. It was he scoffed an intern's desk. Amol, by the way, had been promoted to a better desk, leaving Schulter exposed to questions and ridicule about why I was demoted. <laughs> we were just walking past the intern's desk. Like, well, did you get demoted? Every single day, forever. Well, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you certainly would, Jamie. then he decided to embark on a more decisive escalation concluding as he later explained that since the agency wouldn't help me perhaps the state would citing fears for his safety (laughs) citing fears for his safety Schulte filed for a restraining order against a mole in Virginia state court (laughs) an official from the agency's office of security later said that his escalating behavior kept going on and on and on in an, ad, in an email, Schulter threatened to go public, saying that a lawyer he had spoken to has suggested an article titled CIA punishes employees for reporting office death threats would be an, an article that the media would be very interested in. This guy is so stupid. Now, I love threatening people with, like, cool headlines that other people I know have, like, made up. Yeah. Just don't, you don't fucking try and threaten the CIA of all fucking things. Like, <laughs> I mean... You, at some point, you have to be aware these guys do extrajudicial murders. Maybe I shouldn't like threaten to embarrass them in public. Just, just a thought. It's not the most badass thing to do, is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it turns it turns out to be a genius move getting the restraining order, doesn't it? Yeah. Before his departure, there had been fo- one final incident. He had been moved off Project Brutal Kangaroo, but. Um, 
uh, he saw this as a retribution for complaining. And so Schulte, without being asked for authorization, reassigned himself access to his old project in his role as sysadmin. <laughs> when his managers learned of this, they were so alarmed that they sh stripped Schulte of his admin privileges. Um, so essentially, there's a long tangent boiling down to there's a huge pool of what the US government classifies as secret documents, uh, many of which are much more likely to be designated as such to save the government embarrassment. And they also keep getting leaked. You know, the discussion about Snowden, Manning, etc, etc. Well, a couple of a couple of things, a couple of things I want to mention about that, though, is he, he got the restraining order against the other guy. And that meant he had to be moved to a completely different department because he wasn't allowed to be in the same like room as the guy. Yeah. And he got mad. He got mad about being reassigned to a different department and told to work on something else. Um, and also, there was a quote from like uh, some higher up at the CIA who he tried to like bamboozle by claiming he was in genuine fear for his life because the guy had like made death threats against him. And the guy was just like, "I'm trained to do threat assessments. This bullshit doesn't like you know what I mean. I can't believe I'm insulted that he thought this would work." <laughs> <laughs> this is now about the FBI investigation into the leak uh, of all these hacking tools to uh, WikiLeaks. Even as FBI investigators pinpointed Schultz as the prime suspect, their work was frustrated by this pageantry of overclassification. WikiLeaks have posted the Vault 7 tools on the internet where anybody could see them, but officially the CIA and the FBI maintained that the documents remain classified. As a result, only investigators who held the, national, the, the necessary security clearances were permitted to even access WikiLeaks to see what had been stolen. <laughs> FBI officials were so nervous about visiting the website using bureau computers or internet connections, thereby possibly exposing their own networks to cyber intrusion, that they dispatched an agent to buy a brand new laptop and, vi and visit the WikiLeaks website from the safety of a Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> It's like it's low, low, low fucking budget, like thriller hacker movie where it's got to buy a laptop and go to a Starbucks. Fucking incredible. <laughs> Once the Vault 7 materials had been downloaded from the internet, the laptop itself became officially classified and had to be stored <laughs> in a secure location. And everyone who touched the laptop became officially classified and so on and so forth. <laughs> However, the evidence locker normally used by agents, which held drugs and other seized evidence, wouldn't do because it was classified only up to secret. Instead, investigators stored the laptop inside a supervisor's office in a special safe that had been certified to hold higher classification material, even though literally everybody in the world could go online and see all the materials on WikiLeaks. <laughs> It's it's fucking incredible. Fucking jobs worth. <laughs> so it is at this point that the um, FBI is listening in on Schulte's calls and stuff, and they figure out that he's planning a drip, trip abroad with his brother. Um, the FBI, in fear that he won't come back, uh, arrests him straight away. And this uh, is where it gets really weird. Um, when FBI agents obtain a warrant for Schulte's search history from Google, they discovered that, starting in August 2016, when he was preparing to leave the CIA, he had conducted 39 searches related to WikiLeaks. In the hours after WikiLeaks posted the, the documents, he searched for FBI and read articles with such titles as FBI joined CIA in leaker hunt. For a guy who was an expert in information warfare, Schulte seemed shockingly sloppy when it came to his own personal security. However, no direct links between Schulte, Vault 7 and WikiLeaks were ever found. It's all circumstantial. Um, 
when computer scientists at the FBI examined Schulte's laptop, they discovered a virtual machine, an entire operating system nesting within the computer's standard operating system. The virtual machine was locked with very strong encryption, meaning that unless they could break the code or get the key from Schulte, both of which seemed unlikely, they couldn't access it. But they also had Schulte's cell phone, and when they checked it, checked it, they discovered a startling lapse in security. He had stored a bunch of passwords on his phone. <laughs> so, so he had guys, have... this guy, this guy is so like so fucking good at computers, and yet, and yet, <laughs> and yet, oh, it get it gets worse. Yeah. Does he find Does he find a USB stick in the in the parking lot? <laughs> One of the passwords let, let the investigators bypass the encryption on the virtual machine. Inside, they found another encrypted directory. They consulted Schultz's phone again, and sure enough, another stored password unlocked that directory. Next, they found an encrypted lockbox inside the encryption encryption, a third line of defense. But using standard software and the same password that had, had unlocked the first part, uh, tool, they managed to access the content. Inside was a series of folders. When the investigators investigators opened my them, crimes.pdf. <laughs> when when the investigators opened them, they found an enormous cache of child pornography. Oh, okay. Jesus. Libertarian. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> For fuck's sake. Ed Just to let you know that James had to return to their home planet and unfortunately will no longer be on the rest of this episode. Anyway, uh, let's get back to it. When the news broke that Schulte was a suspect in the WikiLeaks Vault 7 leak, Chrissy Covington, a DJ and radio personality in Texas who had attended junior high school with him, took to Facebook to express her surprise. However, she started to hear from classmates of Schulte, who shared unpleasant memories of him crossing boundaries and making others uncomfortable. Several former classmates were called <laughs> imagine, to me. Imagine posting on Facebook, this guy didn't seem like a nonce, and then everyone you've ever known has says, oh no, 100%. <laughs> Well, you'd think that that was the issue at hand. Um, several former classmates recalled to me that Schulte was infamous for drawing swastikas at school. And oh. on at least one occasion, he did so in the yearbook of a Jewish student. Other classmates recalled sexually inappropriate behavior. One woman told me that he'd repeatedly exposed his penis to students when they were both in junior high band. He would try to touch oh, so, people. So exactly what I said. Cool. <laughs> yes. Fuck's sake. Do you know the thing about the Ron Paul 2012 subreddit, how most of them turn, or like a substantial chunk funneled their way into being like fascists and stuff? It's a weird pipeline of like, you know what, the government does too much, but they could kill some races, couldn't they? Other classmates recalled sexually inappropriate behavior. One woman told me that he had repeatedly exposed his penis to students when they were both in junior high band. He would try and touch people or get people to touch him. That was essentially a daily occurrence. He had a known history of inappropriately touching and or sexually assaulting women, even in high school. His high school friend, Kavi Patel, acknowledged that Schulte would draw swastikas all over the place. He wasn't anti-Semitic, Patel contended. He just wanted oh, to get okay. a rise out of people. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh-huh, Using, yeah. Using anti-Semitism. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was actually watching the child pornography, ironically. <laughs> to get well, a rise out of people, we'll get we'll get to that excuse, I'm sure. Wait, well, 
what about is it Pete Townsend, the the Who guitarist mm. who used the, the the excuse of doing research? Yeah. <laughs> well, there's also there's the same excuse the guy from the first season of the Thick of It. Uh, gave. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 actor. Yeah, that was the excuse that, yeah. that he gave. Yeah. After Schulte realized that his child porn archive had been discovered, he claimed that his collection, more than 10,000 images and videos, didn't belong to him. In college, he had maintained a server on which friends and acquaintances could store whatever they wanted. Unbeknownst to him, he contended, people had used his server to hide contraband. So this server which that is I've hidden inside three, <laughs> layer, three layers of encryption is just, you know, as you yeah. do. So how, and how long is this, how old is this guy, like... He's twenty, mid twenties, right? Well, I mean, if he's a Ron Paul guy, you know, he's like what thirty-five oh. at this point, something like that. Fucking I would hell. say. So, yeah, okay, so like fifteen, yeah, that's the kind of stuff you just keep around, not not realize it's there for like fifteen, twenty years. Yeah. But according to the to the FBI, as agents gathered more evidence, they unearthed chat logs in which Schulter conversed about child pornography with fellow enthusiasts. <laughs> Where does one get kiddie porn these days, Schulte asked in a 2009 exchange. I personally would not call them enthusiasts. <laughs> <laughs> Lovers of the art form. Um, actually, I think they're called ephibophiles. Um, this was yet... <laughs> This was yet another instance in which Schulte seemed recklessly disinclined to cover his tracks. His Google search history re revealed numerous queries about images of underage sex. In chat logs, people seeking to discuss uh, child pornography tended to use pseudonyms. One person Schulte interacted with went by HBP, another went by Sturm. Josh's username was Josh. <laughs> Is this you, point... Josh? No, it's a different Josh. <laughs> <laughs> At one point, he volunteered to grant his new friends access to the child porn archive on his server. He had titled it home slash Josh slash ATTP slash porn. Sturm, taken aback, warned Schulte, rename these things for God's sake. I love to solicit <laughs> advice on how to store child pornography from other enthusiasts. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. One of the premier, you know, CIA lead hackers can't, you know, is apparently this good at home security. Oh, my God. And, and why do they hire this guy again? Oh, probably because he's like 4chan. Yeah, 100% 4chan guy. Okay, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So essentially, the FBI uh, still can't prove that the uh, Vault 7 leak, the, the WikiLeaks thing, is Josh's fault. So instead they... But just, boy, they... howdy, can they prove something else is his fault? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so now instead they charge him with receipt, possession and transportation of child pornography. Schulte pleaded not guilty. When he'd heard the government was, keeping, was pushing to keep him detained pending trial, his stomach dropped. He said... Uh, the crime I am charged with is in fact a non-violent, victimless crime, he objected. Um, yeah. Citation mm -hmm. needed on that one, I think. <laughs> yeah. Although later on, while locked up for alleged nonsense, the FBI does also indict him for Fort 7 uh, later on. Uh, and while detained well, in you prison... Well, you would, wouldn't you? If you've, got, if, you've got, if you've got him stuck in the, in the fucking cell, then you'd just see what sticks, wouldn't you? Yeah. Although to be fair, like at first the the judge presiding over the trial uh, grants him bail because they don't think he's a flight risk, even though like he might be a state secret leaking nonce. Um, however, later on he is detained, 
uh, but uh, he and meets some of his fellow inmates, and yeah, he gets why, his hand why, on. Why is he detained though? I can't remember. You... Because they tell him as part of his bail that he's not allowed to use the internet, and lo and behold, he goes straight home and uses the internet. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but he uses a um, he uses like a fucking VPN or something because he thinks he uses ah, a tour. Not... Yeah, he uses Tor because he's like, oh, they'll not know it's me, and it's like, yeah, but they're watching your internet connection. They can see you fucking. They can't see what you're doing on on like Tor, but they know you're fucking using it. You know what I mean? And so they they send him straight to jail. <laughs> <laughs> just for being English. I... Oh, he's just a fucking <laughs> a winner from end to end, isn't he? Really, you know what I mean? He meets essentially inside the jail. He meets some fellow inmates, and he also gets his hand yet again on an illegal smartphone because he feels the need to uh, keep posting. Essentially, uh, <laughs> yeah, just of course the, the most powerful form of posting through it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> posting through my incarceration. <laughs> 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 Locked up for nonsing AMA. Um <laughs> <laughs> he's actually locked up for posting. <laughs> but he, he does literally he does literally post through it though, doesn't he? Because he starts like leaking leaking his prison diaries to WikiLeaks. Yeah, I was about to come to that. Um, apart from that, though, Shorter figured out a way to hotwire a light switch in his cell so that it works as a cell phone charger. Um, one of the people locked up with Shilter during this period praised his innovation, saying, after that, all the prison phones, illegal prison phones, were charged that way. <laughs> you, Which, there's a lot fair, of bad things you can cool. say about... There's a lot of bad things you can say about Shorter, but Big Tone has one, like, quite a lot of good things to say about him, so I think we should hear, him, have, hear what he has to say. On an encrypted Samsung phone, Shorter created an anonymous Facebook page called John God's Legal Defense Fund. <laughs> oh, this guy God. is John Gore, finally. We found out. <laughs> oh. For years you have been posting who is John Galt. This is John Galt posting. Yeah, for years you've been asking who left all of this child porn on my secret computer. (laughs) (laughs) I just love, like, libertarians trying for years and years to dispel this myth about them. And he's like, actually... (laughs) (laughs) Well, funny you should mention it because, well, (laughs) I've got a story for you. He also set up a Twitter account at Free Jason Bourne. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is this guy's the wettest fucking idiot I've ever ever heard yeah, of. Fuck it's sake. incredible, isn't it? <laughs> uh, and in a drafts folder, he saved a tweet that said, "The Department of Justice arrested the wrong man for Fault Seven. I personally know exactly what happened, as do many others. Why are <laughs> they covering dispute. it up?" You the other charge though. <laughs> I'm just thinking of the mole man meme now. <laughs> I'll take the wettest idiot you have. <laughs> no, that's too wet. <laughs> um, he also ends up contacting a bunch of uh, journos. Astonishingly, it appears that Schulte may even have made contact with WikiLeaks during his imprisonment. <laughs> In a Twitter post on June 19, 2018, Wiki released uh, seven installments of Schulte's prison writings, billing them as an account in which the alleged uh, Vault 7 whistleblower would finally speak out in his own words. 
Schulte seems to have envisaged these essays, which are a sort of diaristic account of prison life with a broader critique of the criminal justice system, as a sort of letter from a Birmingham jail. He titled them <laughs> Presumption of Innocence. <laughs> Jeez, unbelievable. <laughs> it's oh. fucking incredible this <laughs> I mean it, it's so good as well though isn't it where it's like they can't find any evidence of contact between him and WikiLeaks and his first thought is I don't know what I'm going to do contact WikiLeaks yeah <laughs> at them on Twitter for my illegal phone that they find later anyway <laughs> I, just, I just I can't believe he sees himself as the Martin Luther King Jr. of paedophiles <laughs> 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 in one of these jailhouse meditations, Schulte wrote that in prison, it is prudent not to discuss your case with anyone because people are vultures and will do anything to help their own situation, including bartering your information for a better deal. He may not have appreciated quite how true this was because at, at a certain point, his trusty lookout for when he was using, using his illegal phone named Carlos informed prison authorities that Schulte had a cell phone. <laughs> 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 when this news reached the FBI, officials panicked. If Schulte could surreptitiously make calls and access the internet, there was a danger he might continue to leak. There was a great deal of urgency to find the phone, one bureau official later acknowledged. One day in October 2018, no fewer than 50 agents descended on the Metropolitan Correctional Center, accompanied by a cell phone sniffing dog. <laughs> It's the dog that barks at Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> After they recovered the device, investigators found that it was encrypted, but also that Schulte, true to form, had written the password down in one of his notebooks. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake! This, this, this guy has literally no memory, except for, like, he, the last thing he heard about is the thing that he will try and engage with. <laughs> Don't, we don't want this guy to go on WikiLeaks. He's like, I know, I'll go on fucking WikiLeaks. For his sake. <laughs> well, I mean, if you thought Shorter was stupid, like, wait, I'll, I'll, I'll keep reading for you. Essentially, there comes a section now, which is, in a way, it's quite interesting as a, like, a thought experiment as well. It's like, if you put someone so involved in, like, top secret level CIA stuff on public trial, that's a huge problem, right? Because he can call witnesses, which may be active CIA officers, and say things himself or make witnesses say things in open court that shouldn't be revealed to the broader public. Sabrina yeah. Schroff, Schulte's public defender, chuckled at the Kafkaesque predicaments of, of the case, but she was also severely constrained in what she could say uh, to me. We don't have the ability to cross-examine the classification authority, she pointed out. When the government decide, designs something as secret, they, the lawyer cannot appeal the decision. Before the trial began, she already possessed a top-secret security clearance from another case. But in order to represent Schulte, she had to be read in to even higher levels of fetishistically compartmentalized security. When she and her fellow uh, public defenders got the names of witnesses, they were prohibited from any Google searches that might in any way link these officials to the CIA. Because some of the witnesses had common names, and Shroff and her team were not allowed to add the letters CIA to their search terms, it was occasionally impossible to gather any information. Which, to be fair, that's so incredible. Just put Central like... Intelligence Agency. <laughs> Because uh, like, you, you're not allowed to include the letters C, I, and A at all. Hmm, okay. 
<laughs> the parade of witnesses from the CIA offered rare glimpses of office dynamics in a top secret unit. It was sobering. The descriptions of Schulte's workplace called to mind not the steely competence of the born identity, but rather tiresome hijinks and petty scheming uh, in the vein of the office of office space. This was the paradox of the proceedings. There was no way for the CIA to exact retribution against Shelter without, in the process, revealing a great deal of unflattering information about itself. Jurors would have to be told the story of an elite national security division that had become consumed by, junior, by juvenile name-calling and recrimination. Senior CIA officials would have to submit to cross-examination about the frequency and severity of Nerf gunfights and or about the lack of security that made the breach possible. The, the CIA is never going to face any kind of actual justice, is it? This is the closest we're going to get. Fucking Nerf guns and one moron who is incapable of like not typing into Google like search. Where are the ch- naked children, please, Mister Google? <laughs> <laughs> However, the real outrage was that a crucial CIA computer network, Devlan, of which this guy was one of the sysadmins, had essentially been unprotected. Hundreds of people had access to Devlan, including not just CIA employees, but also contractors. The CIA hackers appear to have disregarded even the kinds of elementary information security protocols that any civilian can recite from mandatory corporate training. Coders exchanged passwords with one another and sometimes shared de- sensitive details on post-it notes. <coughs> they used passwords that were laughably weak, including 123ABCDEF. <laughs> fucking incredible. A classified damage assessment later conducted by the CAA after the leaks concluded that security procedures in the division had been woefully lax and their own agency's hackers prioritized building cyber weapons at the expense of securing their own systems. Yeah, because a, a, a point we skipped early on was that that like, network, the Devlan, wasn't connected to the outside internet. So their initial, their initial panic at the leak was that like, um, it must be the work of a foreign country. Like all, only yeah. the Russians or the Iranians have the like the or power. Paul Mason and, ha- yeah, yeah, have the power and intelligence to get in. Like they must have actually sent someone down from the ceiling, like in Mission Impossible, to plug a fucking memory <laughs> stick into the Devlan. <laughs> so I imagine that gave them like a false sense of security. Like, well, if no one can hack into it from the outside, it's fine to just write all the passwords on on the walls. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Big giant neon script of like my password is one two three password like. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, man, when you when you play something like Deus Ex and you find some guy's password in his office drawer, you go, "This seems unrealistic," but how wrong you were. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now the red key cards, however, those are a different story. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so later on, Schulte is convinced. This is, but this, all this stuff goes on only during the uh, the trial about him leaking or not leaking the Vault Seven stuff. The nonsing is being uh, held back as a separate trial until the first one is done. Um, however, because essentially Schulte's defense is, and his his legal team's defense is, yeah, he's he's an asshole. But you can't prove that he's the one who leaked it, which essentially is an argument that your jury ends up buying. 
so they only convict him on two very minor counts and not the eight big ones like treason, etc. So the judge yeah. declares a mistrial on all the Fault 7 stuff. Um, and so the US government, rather than pushing forward with like the nonsing, uh, which might have <laughs> secured like a very Look, easy conviction. Let's, let's be clear, the nonsing charges. <laughs> fair enough (laughs) although you know could go either way Um, (laughs) so the US government rather than pushing forward with the the nonsense cases which might have resulted you would think in a much easier conviction instead announces that it would pull Schultz on trial again for the same Vault 7 crimes or alleged crimes meanwhile in prison Schultz has grown a very impressive beard uh, and also uh, has converted to Islam because he thinks the uh, co- the 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 yeah he, it, when he when he first when one of his one of his early letters from a fucking Birmingham jail like states that a lot of people <laughs> pretend to be Jewish or like Muslim in prison because they get better food. In, so in, in response to that, he grows a big beard and also converts to Islam. Uh, okay, so he's not all bad then. <laughs> so nobody's supp- so it's impossible to say if he's bad or not <laughs> <laughs> to nobody's surprise Schulter has tangled with prison guards and in repeated filing to the new judge in his case he has singled out individual guards and suggested that they should be the ones facing criminal charges Schulter has filed more than have you ever considered it's the people that lock up nonces that are the criminals? Yeah. <laughs> Schulte has filed more than 60 official challenges to the conditions of his confinement. In very long memos, many of them handwritten, he has condemned the Justice Department, the CIA, the FBI, and the Bureau of Prisons. He refers to it himself as somewhat a... like a manifesto. <laughs> this is John non-speaking <laughs> um, he, re- he refers to himself as a torture cage and maintains that his living conditions are below that of impoverished persons living in third world countries now given the, what we know of American jails that could very well be true um, yeah. one of his com- critical support yeah they should, ab- <laughs> they should ab- abolish, abolish like prisons except for libertarians one of his complaints is that the guards do not give him adequate bathroom breaks during the hours he spends preparing his case in the prison law library and so lately Schulte has taken to urinating in the law library (laughs) he's in the corner like an animal it's an incredible surprise that like the guards like fucking don't like him or that like his mate ratted him out for having a cell phone he seems like such a people person (laughs) (laughs) well i mean we were talking about this this article earlier jamie and i hope you don't mind me stealing one of your lines but it is like they just hired the guy who was entirely made of red flags like it's truly incredible (laughs) and also once again like for the agency division concerned with like hacking and getting into people's personal business how did they not like find out that the guy who had written my password is password one two three on the side of his computer find out about like the massive trove of nonsense like i i don't like what (laughs) this sort of belies james's earlier point that like the cia is a very powerful machine and it's actually just like intensely composed of just clowns just clowns all over the place it's it's there's kind a, of like a vicious organization in spite of all the fucking morons that work there. 
Yeah. There's a bit in there about how um, his lawyers tried to get hold because you, you had to you had to undergo like a uh, psychological profiling before he was allowed to join. And his yeah. lawyers tried to get hold of the results of that psychological profile and the CIA wouldn't let them have it. <laughs> <laughs> Which, to be fair, is incredible. I really would like to see what that fucking profile yeah. had to say. Like, what what was in there that was like, oh, no, this guy, like, fine. Like, he, he started arguing with the receptionist on the way in and then <laughs> the, the the examining doctor picked, had a fist fight him in the, with him in the corridor yeah. in the end. And then, like... He got his, he got his cock out to... in front of the fucking psychologist, you know what I mean? Like, it... it I can understand completely why they wouldn't fucking like give it to his lawyers because it either has they either have to have like missed all of the red flags in which case they look incompetent or ignored all of the red flags in which case they look ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? It's like there's no there's no scenario there where the CIA like fucking hired this dipshit and come out look come out the other end of that like hiring process looking good. Yeah. I mean, does the CIA ever really come out of any sort of thing looking good? No, but I mean like you know in in the. They don't. They don't come out of it looking remotely fucking competent. Well, that's the thing. Like it, this is, we think about the CIA and all the horrible things they've done, like overthrowing the Iranian government in the fifties or the sixties. I can't remember. And like Guatemala and yeah. Venezuela, or trying to overthrow Venezuela. I mean, pick your like, fucking Bolivia, continent, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then you have to remember, this is also the CIA that sent those guys to try. Was it? I think it was Venezuela with the. People that ended up pissing on their own faces because they were yeah. on an incline and yeah. uh, try to kill Castro with exploding cigars. Like, yeah, this the is guys the same that, organization. That did the, um, the Bin Laden Darth Maul doll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck's sake, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that was, yeah, I mean, that's, it's truly incredible behavior because, like, my personal theory is that just the CIA is just 90% insane clown shoes like this and just. Like raging stupidity throughout, and like ten percent like incredible like effective evil. But I'm I might be revising it to like ninety five percent clown shoes, and like it's like yeah. you know it's the monkeys with yeah, the that, fucking that, typewriters again. That one that one guy that the the ten percent that's competent, he does the Marvel scripts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is just. It's the idea you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> definitely that's definitely how they're operating. Like, it's like I don't know if this exploding cigar is going to work, but I tell you what won't work is not scented an exploding cigar. <laughs> <laughs> There's a new trial. It began uh, genuinely like a couple of days ago. Um, the new trial began this week, but no journalist is allowed to be involved, to be in the room, to be in the courtroom, or know much about it. It's all wrapped up in secrecy. As again, it, whether or not that's due to genuine secrecy, or whether or not it's because the CIA really, really doesn't want uh, uh, Schulter to show off like how much of a dick he is and how much the CIA let him get away with, and like how many passwords are actually like password one two three anymore. <laughs> it still makes me laugh that one. <laughs> While reporting this article, I often wondered how the CIA must have missed the obvious combustibility of this pro of this profile when it hired Schulter and gave him a security clearance. In order to get the job, he had been subjected to a battery of tests. But and this is your bit, Jamie. When his lawyers tried to obtain the psych the psych profile that the agency had produced on him, the CIA would not turn it over. When you consider the powerful <laughs> and forces with, and with good cause. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 
When you consider the powerful forces arrayed against him and the balance of probability that he is probably guilty of the leaks, uh, Schulte has now decided to defend himself instead of having a professional lawyer <laughs> argue his case. I mean, to be fair to the public defender, although it did sound like they had like a really high level of security clearance, but I don't, I don't imagine a lot of public defenders get that sort of thing. So it must I mean, be I, probably quite competent, but irrespective of that, imagine being a public defender going against like one of the branches of government, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, the thing is as well, I, I the s- thing is as well, she got the fucking dipshit like a retrial. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's, that's not nothing considering how no. much of a fucking fiasco he is. <laughs> like do you know what I mean he's basically turning up to court every day in a fucking t-shirt that says I did it and she still managed to bamboozle the jury so but he's not he's not a happy with that with all his passwords on yeah <laughs> but he's, he's what he's actually doing is speed running OJ Simpson he's written the book before the trial yeah yeah totally but, yeah, when I did it he's like fucking do you know what I mean he's just he's, he's gonna represent himself in court because that's what winners do <laughs> I mean, I did skip over a couple paragraphs, which goes more into like the first trial, and like his public defender sounds like a fucking like like an amazing lawyer who really knows her shit and actually just gets the CIA to just break down its its own defenses because they kept trying to like explain to the jury how virtual machines and HTTP protocols work, whereas her defense was like, yeah, he's a dick, but you can't prove that he's the guy who leaked it. Which is fantastic. Yeah, yeah the, the defense basically hinged on the fact that he was such a fucking knobhead that it was obvious they were going to frame him. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, fair play. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ob- I mean, obviously, the fucking, obviously, they're going to blame the guy with the huge cache of child porn. How original. <laughs> Get some new material, guys. <laughs> Sure, blame the libertarian for just asking questions. (laughs) (laughs) When you consider the powerful forces arrayed against him and the balance of probability that he is guilty, Schulte's decision to represent himself seems reckless, but for the CIA and the Justice Department, he remains a formidable adversary because he is bent on destroying them, has little to lose, and his head is entirely filled with classified information, brackets, and nonsense. I added those. Um, <laughs> it sounds to me like his head's filled entirely with sand, frankly. <laughs> using his, using his mean, brain filled... solely to keep his ears apart. <laughs> I mean, it's not filled with passwords. That's all we do know. Um... <laughs> it's because all that sand is in there. <laughs> Um, he said his his previous now fired uh, public lawyer. Lawyers are bound to certain codes of ethics and what they're allowed to do. <laughs> Whereas I am things... not. <laughs> <laughs> there are certain things we cannot argue, certain arguments we cannot make. But if you're defending yourself, you can make all the motions you want. You can really try your case. In a June the 2nd court filing, Schulter suggested with a menacing flourish that if the government goes to trial with the child pornography charges, he plans to make it maximally painful for the CIA. In his defense, he promises, he will incorporate extensive testimony about agency operations and assets and will potentially require the courtroom appearance of nine covert officers, 17 overt officers and at least one uh, intelligence asset. So the question is, like, of course, does the CIA want this fucking trial to go ahead? 
the thing is, that's for the that's for the child porn offences. He's gonna he's gonna do that. Like the judge is gonna like fucking spend the entire trial just like ruling things out because they're irrelevant. You know what I mean? Like, well, <laughs> how did all this child porn get onto your computer? Well, I'll tell you a story that starts in the office of the CIA. You know what I mean? And then just like, <laughs> there was a guy who was shooting Nerf darts at me, and I wasn't fucking happy about that. Like, just <laughs> Grandpa and there was only Simpson one thing on that the stand. Console me. <laughs> I was wearing an onion on my belt, as was yeah. the style at the time. Throwing <laughs> <laughs> a cache of pornography on my belt. <laughs> <laughs> With my password t-shirt. This is a bit, like a bit of an anecdote from my time online. I once knew a libertarian, and he was going out. Uh, yeah, well, he was yeah, going you out. You could just stop girl. there, like. So, yeah, yeah we'll going, going out with some strangely <laughs> of legal age woman, and she told him that she was pregnant, uh, and it was it. It turned out that was a lie; she wasn't pregnant. But the best part, th- this story is relevant because he on this forum was absolutely convinced that he could convince like a judge and jury to make this woman get an abortion. <laughs> And this is like the libertarian confidence in court that they think they can win any argument. Yeah. Well, because the flag's got a gold fringe, you see. So, <laughs> I mean, the, I, the... I, I did love that judge who described all these free men on the land as essentially trying to cast legal spells. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> but the best thing about this story is this is, this is in Utah. It's like a very conservative state. And he's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I could get a judge to force a woman to get an abortion. Well, I mean, it, do you know what I mean? It, it's just gonna co- rock in and like call the judge admiral or some shit, and then like, <laughs> that's that's the secret phrase that unlocks the legal system for you. <laughs> the secret phrase being password A B C D E F. In a contest between the dictates of official secrecy and the imperatives of justice, odds are that secrecy will win. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it will. Shulton knows this, and that may be his greatest advantage. He has said of the Vault 7 case, I expect a not guilty verdict on all counts, and anything less will be an utter failure. uh, His public offender told me of her client, he's hopeful now. (laughs) I... I... (laughs) I just want to say, like, is there anything else to be a, a complete failure? On whose part? <laughs> he is defending himself now. <laughs> he's gonna, he's gonna find one weird trick. Like, he's gonna get a restraining order against the judge or some shit. And then, like, <laughs> the trial collapses. <laughs> His father said the same thing, assuring me that Josh has learned a lot about the legal process and that he's not giving up. He seems to be, he seems to be holding up pretty strong. His father said. He's a fighter. I'll fucking, I'll fucking say he's a fighter. <laughs> like, I'm not sure the cause of which he's enlisted is like something to be proud of or to be emulate. But like, fuck me, is this, this guy a fighter? <laughs> he might not have any principles except that one specific one. But by God, <laughs> I say he's a libertarian. So there's only one AOC he's interested in. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, that's the end of the uh, of the article, uh, uh, which I think you could all agree it was very much worth <laughs> worth our time. It's fucking incredible. <laughs> yeah, real fucking a real winner there. Oh, you missed the best fucking bit. I've just remembered <laughs> when they were looking at how the fuckers in 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 his trial, 
his lawyer argued that the CIA, like, oh, yeah, they, sure, they think this guy did it because, like, you know, they didn't even notice the stuff had been stolen until a year later when it turned up on WikiLeaks. And as part of the investigation into how we'd managed to steal it because they'd revoked his access, um, they, they fucking went through the logs and he'd gained access to the Devlan using a fucking back door that he'd installed himself. <laughs> and the name of the, the, the username on the back door was King Josh 3000. It's like he's like it's like a fucking an X-Man, do you know what I mean? His superpowers, everything he touches turns into a smoking gun. (laughs) (laughs) It's everything he touches just turns into Josh. (laughs) (laughs) Again, Alistair, it confirms your theory that he just wrote if I did it before uh, before and during he did it. Fucking Christ! Like, yeah. How? <laughs> I, hope, I hope this is like a, a representative sample of the caliber of idiot that they hire to that organization. Because, by God, I, ho- I dread to think what they'd be able to accomplish if they had anyone with an like an ounce of common sense. They're definitely not sending their best. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it's like if the Zodiac killer, instead of using codes, was just sending letters saying like, "I can't wait to be a U.S. senator for Texas." truly credit i mean i like our one hope in terms of the security state is that like mi5 6 the cia and all these people are just filled with like massive dipshits essentially like preferably not of the nonsense variety but just like idiots who are just like but you can guarantee that they are yeah yeah this is like literally like this is me dot crimes appended to every email like (laughs) (laughs) do you know uh, who randy pitchford is Yes. Rings a bell. Yeah, yeah. He's the like the CEO of Gearbox who makes the the Borderlands games. Oh, and right. he left a USB full of pornography at the restaurant Medieval Times. <laughs> yeah, like, I, this this, this is remember, the caliber of you're, like what you're I underselling want from the It was it was a USB with barely legal pornography. Yes. And company financial documents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And the reason he had that barely legal pornography is because he saw it and then he yeah. had to purchase it because the woman was doing things that he described as magic and he yeah. is himself a enthusiastic magician. That was that was genuinely <laughs> genuinely his defense. It was it was a video of a, of a of a female ejaculation and he'd never seen that before and assumed it must be a magic trick and he wanted to figure out how it was done. <laughs> So anyway, that's a new CIA director. <laughs> I wish him the best of luck in his career. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right. So as we're closing out this episode, we're all going to go to CIA.gov and just like type in password one two three in the corner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the nukes will just be log in as, in about log five in as minutes. King Josh three thousand and see what we can steal. <laughs> No, that one's been compromised. It's now King Josh 3001. <laughs> King Josh 69420. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, so that should just about do us for uh, this evening. Yeah. But before we uh, log off, uh, Jordan, you are also on a podcast. Where can our distinguished listeners find you? Uh, yeah, you can find me uh, at the beginning of Peace at Home. <laughs> and, uh, if I Com Radio uh, on Twitter at Com Radio UK and on Patreon at patreon.com slash com radio and it's on all the podcast platforms you can imagine yes we too are on uh patreon uh, patreon.com forward slash praxiscast where you should definitely sign up uh for at least one extra episode a month but we're working on raising it up if more of you uh find people slash suckers subscribe to us um <laughs> there's also the uh t-shirt store on t-mail we'll put a link in the show description because i can't remember it because this is the it's, bit that um, david usually does Praxis, praxiscast.tmail.com well, among others, you can find a T-shirt uh, that says "Stop asking me to do work," and which we have, which Jamie has just <laughs> ably proved. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, there's also the stream. I can't. I have no idea what the, what's going on with that anymore. So, Jamie, when streaming thing? Um, Thursdays typically. Yeah. Um, Are we on this week? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. well, so, with that ringing comes... endorsement, uh, check check out the stream. <laughs> what time? Uh, about uh, eight, I think. Is it? Eight, eight till ten. Yeah, on Thursday at uh, twitch.tv slash praxiscap. Yeah, sure, yeah. why not? Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> if it's uh, not right, and... yell at David on Twitter. Yeah, at sanitary nap yeah, time. Yeah, at sanitary nap time, yeah. It's all his fault. Um, yeah. And uh, last but not least, uh, I guested on the Peace of Home podcast where Jamie's also on, uh, which is out already. Uh, you can listen to that as Jamie and I uh, engage in Fedora chat and try to derail Sinan as much as we humanly can. Yeah, try. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like <laughs> Rob finally uh, has to ride shotgun, so uh, all hell breaks loose. Or it's exactly. attempts to. Yeah, and and like like Rob said, sign up to our uh, Patreon. This month's bonus episode, we've got Connor and Sarah from It's Movie Time Baby. And uh, we drove David to the depths of despair. So <laughs> definitely worth what, your what uh, kind of, five quid a week, what, uh, five quid a month. What better ringing endorsement do you want than that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just send us money in an envelope. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just just write Praxis Cast on the other side and put a stamp, and it will get to us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Write some of your passwords down as well on there, and then. Uh, <laughs> All right, and on that note, uh, goodbye, everybody. Yep. Goodbye. Bye. See ya.